this is Joy Gilfillan, host of I Change Justice, where members of the Restorative Community Coalition talk civics with people who are living in the aftermath of an arrest. People confronting the compound dilemmas, ripple effects, and consequences on their family, friends, and taxpayers. Listeners' discretion is advised for this information can be disturbing and can trigger an emotional reaction. This is about lived experiences, discussed for taxpayer education, and to advance justice system reform. It is not to be used for legal advice. Hello, this is Joy Gilfillan, host of I Change Justice podcast, and I'm here today with Irene Morgan, the founder of the Restorative Community Coalition and the heart behind the regeneration movement that's happening in Whatcom County as we speak. It is a couple of days before January 28th, 2023, and we want to talk about the silencing of citizens that started to happen clear back in the around 2019, 2018, and the absolute silencing that was caused in the aftermath of January 28th, 2021, when the four law enforcement agencies in Whatcom County jumped the gun literally a day early to move homeless citizens away from Bellingham City Hall, which is at Camp 210 is what they called it. It was a homeless sweep that happened a day early. And Irene and I had gone down to the City Hall that day, along with another of our board members and a lot of other people, to try to bring peace to a city that was scared. And what we found were four law enforcement agencies spread out who had cordoned off the entire civic center, much to our chagrin and disbelief and shock. And we wanna talk about what happened to us that day, what happened to the community and how we have effectively thrown our own community as elder citizens of all kinds, civic leaders, elected officials, commercial business interests, teachers, elders. We've created a 21st century civilization. It's in a depression, um, civic trauma and depression. We wanna talk about that in the hopes that this next year we can do a SWOT analysis, uh, what's called the strength, weaknesses, opportunities and threats analysis of what happened on that day and what's happened in the three years since the pandemic shut down our communities and caused so much harm. Welcome to the call, Irene. I didn't want to steal your thunder, but I wanted to allow people to understand before we started being nice to each other, the significance of January 28th, 2021 to Whatcom County in the future uh, generations that are growing up here. So welcome to the call, Irene. I know that you're a great-grandmother at least, and maybe a great-great-grandmother who's lived here for over 70 years. Is What is your rank? Thank you, Joy. Again, it's it's a pleasure to be here, and I thank everybody for coming in and, and listening to us as we pour our, our hearts and souls out here as to our, what I see is um, a failure of our of our system and and from my perspective it certainly isn't peacemaking it's it's traumatizing to all of the people i work with who are caught up in the system um 
and I and I don't you haven't stolen my thunder. I want to I want to actually give you more thunder because you deserve it. And anyone that wants to know more and understand what happened and how this got to where it has is to go on our website and and listen and watch the the video that Joy has done with her flip chart on the 98227. Um, and I'm probably not getting the title right, Joy, but I listened to it again the other night and uh, she does such a good job of explaining how we got here. And it's it's over several years, well, long, long time, but she draws it out and she does graphs and charts and diagrams and maps and it's very very comprehensible and um i highly recommend if you really want to know what's going on in our community it's right there in that in that video process in and fact i'm actually going to do a 12-week course a study course for anyone who wants to understand what's going on in civic systems and i didn't even think of that before we got on the call the, the flip chart that you're talking about is on the front page of therestorativecommunity.org. And it's on the very front page. It's called Healing Hearts and Civic Blind Spots, Building Strong After a Civic Collision, a study of Whatcom County 98225. There is a flip chart there that diagrams what happened prior to the January 28th event based upon our analysis as a restorative community coalition dealing with the um compel the compulsion of the whatcom county executive branch to pass taxes in whatcom county to build an oversized and outrageous jail in whatcom county since the late 1990s and the History of what led up to this event on January 28th is illustrated in this report. I go back into history, talk about the number of jail taxes that were passed, how the voters voted against it, the jail tax or the uh, behavioral health tax that was passed, and the money was used for different things than what the public wanted that money to be used for. Then I go into the conversation about what happened in 2018 and 2019 when more research was done to show that our community, the growth and the costs of planning to build that jail and the fact that the land was bought preemptively without any public hearings, this all has been done without full disclosure to the public and we have been standing up to explain it. And then on that specific day, many homeless people had been camping out at Camp 210 to, prote to protest the fact that they did not have emergency services provisions. The water had been basically shut off. Many of the civic um organizations that were supposed to be taking care of emergency services for people in an emergency crisis, which we were under, the doors were closed, offices were shut down, water was shut off, toilets were locked, uh, dumpsters were shut off, all ahead of time. And it was creating extreme trauma in the community with people who were Whatcom County residents 
who had gone to the heart of our civic center to be able to protest. This has historically been a safe place for what I call the soapbox, soapbox commons area where people come to protest, where people come to speak, where people come to sing, to dance, to sit on the library lawn, to watch jugglers, to to deal, you know, in preparation from all the things that happen in our, in our civic center, people historically have gone there. And on the 28th of January, she and I and others, as I said, we went down there to see if we could bring peace talks between the elected officials, law enforcement, the city of Bellingham law enforcement, and the city councils, and the 1,500 plus volunteers who were trying to help the homeless. And what we witnessed was a complete betrayal of trust. Irene, tell us what you saw when you arrived there on that morning, because we got there around eight and we were going to try to do some healing work and peace talks. And what did you experience when you got there? Well, my intent for the day was to go down and talk to the, the individuals and any any kind of public officials I could talk to, to, to see how the the whole situation could be remedied and to talk to the to the homeless and and see if there was some kind some way that I'm a counselor and a therapist so it's usual for me to to think about this and see if there was some way that I could help calm the situation and and help them move on to wherever they were having to go next so that so that it would be a, a more harmonious transfer or, or transaction and got down there, and I I was stunned that there was, I had to park blocks away and then walk. And um, and then when I got closer, I couldn't figure out why why there was no parking spaces. Um, and so I got closer, and I saw these uh, yellow um, strips that cordoned off. And it started way back by the creek before you ever got to just past the health department and the um, Bellingham city cop shop. And, um, and I, I asked the, the there were line, a whole line of officers across the street. I don't know, five or six. And I asked the guy next to the sidewalk where I was walking, what was going on? He says, Oh, he says there, uh, we're here to, to um, take care of the, the homeless. Well, I didn't know what that meant. And um, I saw a sign that had been put over another street sign and I read it and the date on it was for the next day. Yeah, January 29th and this day was January 28th, the full they day. They were there a whole day early. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, how come, how come you're here? This is a day early. And he says, um, oh, it's 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 a uh, Bellingham Police Department. And I said, what what are you doing? And he he didn't really give me any clear indicator. And um, so I started looking for joy and other friends and um, just I was in awe. I was just absolutely stunned at what I saw. And there was so much so many people around the city hall i um went down into the area on the courthouse side of the street 
And if anybody knows the area, it's by the creek and you go down and then up the hill to the parking lot. And I was familiar with that area because that's where I park often. Um, and I made my way up and then started to go um, and went behind. Well, I went in front of the, the courthouse. Um, and there was a lot of turmoil and stuff going on. And, and um, I was still looking for joy. And uh, so I went clear beyond the courthouse, clear down um, toward town. And I walked around the library. And um, then I came back and finally found Joy. And uh, she was talking to, to some of the homeless. And then we saw one of the city council people. And they were quite, um, seemed to be quite confused and um, surprised, as we were, that all of this was going on. So it was, it was apparent to me that he knew nothing about what was going on. So, but I, I was stunned at the number of uniforms, police uniforms. I want to say that when I got there and I saw the police, the the yellow tape of police incident cordoned off, yep. the entire region, I parked way on the other side of the county courthouse, on the other side of the mail area, the, the U.S. post office. Yep. And they would not let me in any of the side roads at all. The entire place was cordoned off. Yep. I had to walk all the way around the courthouse and over between the city hall and the courthouse. And then the police line that was there told me that I was going, I, if I entered that area, I entered at my own risk. And I said, oh, yes. what happened? Yes, that's exactly what they told me. And I said, yeah. risk? What, what, why, why, what's, why am I at risk? And they wouldn't answer me. And what we found out when, as I went in and I talked to different police officers, I realized there were four law enforcement agencies, the Washington state patrol, the Whatcom County Sheriff's Office, the Border Patrol, and the Bellingham. City of Bellingham. Yep. And then we had Whatcom County, the City of Bellingham Public Works people there. We had, you know, in incident overseers like like witnesses. There were drones flying over overhead. There was social media cameras, and there were snipers sitting on roofs. There was a military-like equipment sitting on the uh, courthouse steps, and there were dozens facing, of facing, police officers. Huh? The, the military piece of equipment was facing City Hall with a projectile, some kind of a... Um, it was a military piece of equipment with... Um, I, I don't know for sure what it was, but it was on wheels, and it was armored. And there were people there with their armored uh, plastic shields, yep. with full face helmets, with batons, and the the din that was starting to erupt from the people that were protesting the movement of the homeless out of their tents where they had been sleeping, expecting to be able to try to negotiate peace that day. These people were being moved out of their space. All of their tents and their encampment was being pushed away. They were running around like crazy. One of the first people I saw 
was a woman who had been camping there trying to negotiate for peace and for protection from the homeless who were dealing with COVID crisis, deep. Um, they were concerned about a super spreader event. They were concerned about their public health. They'd been isolated. They were being told they had to wear masks and separate from each other. Yet they were living in tents in cold weather during rainy season and winter seasons coming on. And this woman literally, you know, she just melted down in my arms when she saw me. She said, I can't believe that this is happening. It's a day early. They breached their contract. They told us they weren't coming until tomorrow. We thought we could talk. And we're being chased out of town. And I said, where are you being chased to? And she said, we have no idea. That, and I said, they should have a, a safety place for people who are safe to go. And she said, there is nowhere designated. And no one knows what we're doing. We're just running in terror. And I was stunned, as was Irene. Yes, it was um, the number of armed police force was stunning to me. I know we have many different police agencies in our county, but to see a vast, well, I don't know if it was a majority, but to see that many, and, and you know, I'm an observer. I, I just stand back and I watch, and when I saw the snipers on the top of the courthouse with rifles ready, to mow down our homeless. I can only imagine that's why they were up there. It was I, shocking. I have to tell you, I was, I was so heartbroken for America. I was too. The shock. And I am one of the most patriotic people you will find. I love our country. I know that we are as free as any people in the world, and yet we are not free at all. And that's what most people don't understand. And that's why I do this work, because our Constitution, our original Constitution, is what I want to get back to. And we all deserve to be treated equally. Not in the eyes of the law. We need to be treated equally. And we should have a, a due process. Yes. We should, should honestly have due process. And what I what I did that particular morning, I started looking all over social media, all over my Facebook pages, all over everything that I could access to find out where people could go safely, where they, they could find shelter that was safe, where they could get out of danger, police danger. They also had, now that what the police will say, and what I heard is that they were afraid. They were afraid of an incursion of people from outside of town who were here to create violence and trauma. My experience was that these people were not there to do that. They were there to raise a ruckus. They were there to, there were some that were there to protest. There were there people that were wearing black uniforms. But many of those people on on that were protesting were local Whatcom County residents and Whatcom County college students, Whatcom County uh, residents who I had actually talked to over the course of the prior few years, as I as I had run for office and as I had 
gone to various debates and we had hosted choices and consequences panels. We'd gone to, um, oh, multiple different kinds of social justice events. We'd host panels. We'd gone up to Western. We'd listened to humanitarian talks. We'd listened to peace and justice talks. We'd had people from all over the county talking about trying to bring peace and justice and humanitarian treatment of our, of our poor and our homeless into our awareness so that we could do social and civic change. The county had promised in 2019 that they would do a social wellness health and wellness, a public safety health and wellness survey before they ever decided to build a jail. And ironically, between 2019, the election of 2019, and the and the swearing in of new officials in 2020, something happened between the county sheriff, the county executive, and the county prosecutor together with the Whatcom County uh, Council Chairman Barry Buchanan. They talked about it in one of the very first meetings of 2020. And they, rather than following through on their promise to do a public health and safety needs assessment, they changed the rules and instead they wrote a contract for over $600,000 to hire a jail building consultant to plan for, to help all the law for all the uh, mayors and city officials, county officials, to plan how to pass a tax so that they could build a jail. And then after they got that done, then they would do an assessment of what was needed to take care of the mental health needs of people who were post arrest. I was shocked. I felt betrayed. I felt like the county had dishonored the voters who had voted against building a jail preemptively. We wanted community health. That happened in 2020. This is a year later, 2021, the COVID crisis has hit and the county had been under emergency disaster control. The sheriff was in charge of emergency uh, care. All the emergency decorations, declarations put basically our entire law enforcement systems underneath the domination of the county executive branch in command by the sheriff. And this event was literally commanded by the Whatcom County Sheriff and Unified Command. And what they did is they used four law enforcement agencies to essentially create civic refugees who ended up fleeing the center a day early to head to City Hall. And when we realized that happened, it was horrifying to us. And and they they had no place to go, but ended up over by Civic Field, which is clear across town. And and um, they it was just total chaos. And and then we're um. Finally, that was shut down because it was in such disarray, but there was no real, um, th there was no planning at all. They were just allowed to be there for, for only a few weeks. And, and, and of course, there were lots, there was lots of public complaints and, and rightfully so, because there was no, there was no pre-planning. There was no, um, no real way for for them to be served by the people that were serving 
many of them before because it was so chaotic. And then the Tiny Homes Project was right next door, which was doing very well. And they were compromised because everyone, or not everyone, but they were by many people lumped into the same category and they're not. The homes now, not later people are doing extremely well with their projects, but they aren't being supported by our, our government because instead of having our local folks do what they have done and done very well, they hired a Seattle firm and spend a million dollars for 25 units, which Homes Now has done for fractions. So these these tiny home villages actually evolved as a result that the expansion of the Homes Now project and that that additional project that's off of Lakeway, those actually were the fallout from this January 28th event in 2021. Because what happened is that the pressure on the public was so high. And we talked about this on that particular day. We talked about the fact that we didn't have shelter. We didn't have emergency services. Toilets were closed. Did I already say that? The yes. dumpsters yes. Yeah. were closed. Yeah. The pressure on people was so high. And what it did is it it chased everybody out. And we ended up with hundreds of people living at, in, at Civic Field. And this created huge problems for many, many, many people and started basically a civic war between jurisdictions because here's the real problem. Here's the mess we were in, Irene. Took me a while to dig this out. But what we had was we had different jurisdictions who were at war with each other, unwritten civic war because who was responsible for who? Who had the authority to help who? Who didn't have the authority, who should have taken responsibility, but abdicated responsibility. I mean, eventually what happened at that at Civic Field was a parks person ended up deciding that she needed to bring toilets in and sanitation devices so that people could at least wash their hands. So it was a low level city of Bellingham parks person who actually solved some of the most urgent emergency crisis conditions at that and, event. And why would that be omitted in the first place? If you did see, it's my, it's my knowing now, I used to say that, that the system was broken. The system's not broken. The system works exactly the way it's supposed to work. And so for a low level county person, county parks person to have to make a decision like that, it shows me that the barriers are there to create issues and havoc so that people it's it's almost impossible for people to succeed and i know i'm going to get flack for saying that but well, it's all you have to do is be the observer and put it together use use the common sense it doesn't work when you're working with any of the systems it actually took me two weeks to to diagram and and dig apart what actually happened on that day and I did write about it in this report. It's called the Whatcom County 98225 incident. That's what I called it because it was not what the city council and the the spin doctors, the public relations people on the side of the city of Bellingham and the Whatcom County police or the Whatcom County law enforcement officials and the media spun it out to be. 
it was not quite what the public was all saying it was either. There was a lot of misnomers and a lot of misinformation. And the only way, I mean, some people said, oh, it was essential for the public safety that the police come in a day early and take out the radicals who were inciting the riots from, you know, Seattle and elsewhere places. That was not my experience. Yes, there were people from outside the area that were there advocating, but there were also people from North County who were agitating and those people weren't talked about. And that's that's the conservative. So there was actually an incitement of chaos from both sides, not both sides of the aisle, but two sides, which is part of what I've since then since learned is part of the process that happens in the conflict in conflict, in societal conflict, when Galtung's conflict theory actually talks about how authorities who want to dominate and control tear apart the culture, they create a culture war where you have people on one side and people on the other side get mad and fight at each other, which creates the civic trauma and the civic divide that then allows law enforcement and authorities to swoop in from the top and take unilateral control of the people because they have the authority to do that and people will mind them. So when the authorities come in, that creates authoritarian or structural trauma. So now you've got direct violence, you've got structural violence, and you've got cultural violence all running in a triangle. And it's taken me several years since that time to identify that pattern. It's called the Galtung's violence triangle. It shows up in uh, political theory, and you can find it on the internet. Go look at it. I'm going to be doing another report on how uh, uh, compound civic domestic violence happens and how the violence triangle is the spinoff from the conflict theories that were done in studying uh, domination systems from around the world. But the fact is, looking back on this event, that's exactly what was happening. And people were being torn apart, county and city People were torn apart. People were telling different stories. Jurisdictions were in conflict. And as a result, we ended up with civic trauma and civic refugees. And with that, Irene, we need to take a break. Let's um, do that. And we'll be right back. Please don't go away. Stay. And we'll talk about what civic trauma happens. What does that mean, civic trauma? What is the side effect of that on the humans who are caught in the middle between the snipers the military guns and weapon style equipment and the oh the the little wooden slat things pallets that were used to protect the homeless as they were fleeing the area to try to get to civic center um let's take a break thank you to our donors whose contributions help our clients directly you can see the sponsors list and the names of donors and members who are publicly recognized on our website at therestorativecommunity.org. All contributions are appreciated. You can also subscribe to our newsletter, volunteer, donate monthly, or leave a legacy gift by clicking on the donate button. Welcome back, Irene. And I'd like you to speak to what you believe this whole event provokes for the future, because I think People can get really depressed and feel like there's no hope when, in fact, you and I have been working and there are many people who have great hope for the future. Let's talk about that for a minute, Irene, and what you've learned from this last couple of years post this event. Well, there's uh, 
you know, I've, I've been doing this a long time and, and I'm stunned at, at what else I learn. Every time I go to court, I learn something new and, um, and, <clears throat> and interact with, 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 I just was helping someone with their vacate and sealing of their records the other day and, and learned something brand new that had never occurred to me to, that there would be something to learn. So uh, what I've learned, um, I, I want to make clear that we're not just complaining here, that, that there's there are solutions, and we have been working on the solutions for a long time, have not been heard by many people, but the majority, I believe, are, are many, many people are coming around and realizing that that we're that we do have something valid and are now willing to to listen a little closer and even help. And um the one thing I want to state first is um as far as I the the building of, of big new jails is in the past. That's 20th century. We have a jail that is in disrepair, but it's not the failure that it it has been made out to be. I believe that with some soap and water and some good scrubbing, the it's a it's a concrete and steel building. There's not much that can go wrong, and it's I believe it's a story, and I believe that Whitcomb County does not deserve to be bankrupt, and that's what would happen if that j new jail is to be built. And just ask any economist, and there's no way we can we can survive as a county supporting that jail. But it seems that the the powers that be don't get that. And if they do, what else is going on? So the, the new jail to me is 20th century. It just is something that should be in the past. And looking, let's spend that money on helping folks. I I'm working every person I'm working with has been traumatized. Let's work healing people and allow them to heal the the original trauma because that's where all the rest of the trauma comes from. If we heal the original trauma that happened as a child or as a young adolescent or maybe even in the womb because the mother was traumatized, there there's so much we can do and we see it all the time. And, and that's what we can do. And all the things we are doing, we need help with. Joy has a, a laundry list of different things. We need writers to to help us get our our information out to the to the rest of the public. We have um, we have events that we want to do. We have we need a, a fundraiser to help us. Um, someone that does f um, fundraising and, and grant writers. So <clears throat> we can we can use help, but. And I want to say that if I didn't see the solution so clearly, my hope for the future wouldn't be so grand. But there, we can solve all of this just by doing what's right with people. And it's going to be, and it's it's going to be cheaper, and our our community will be far safer. And I know we can do this because. I've seen it happen and restorative justice is part of it. And we're in the process of bringing that forward as we speak. So what I want to say to back up that, to back that up is that in 2020, what we were talking about was the fact that the County citizens had voted down 
the idea of building a mass incarceration facility. We had already reduced occupancy loads in the jail dramatically as a result of work that was done by the Incarceration Prevention Reduction Task Force, as work that was done by judges dealing with risk assessments, by the city of Bellingham writing different contracts, bringing electronic home monitoring and early release to many, many, many people. Our violence and our occupancy load and the cost to the city was dropping radically. The Lummi Nation had changed rules all because they, the county was being forced to disclose the business contracts that it was writing with the different cities. And we exposed the games that were being played by the, by the various uh, jurisdictions over money. We discovered the fact that the cities were losing money, sales tax money, because the business, the world of business, Amazon.com, Costco, um, Fred Meyer, all these big box stores had moved into the inner cities of Bellingham. And so all the sales was coming into Bellingham or going out of the county. So the county municipalities, the small cities, they were under deep economic trauma. So what we noticed between 2017, when the second jail tax went to market and 2021, there are 2020, there was a whole bunch of negotiating between the different jurisdictions at the CEO level, trying to figure out how to compel the taxpayers to pass more taxes. Well, what was interesting is that but after the new prosecutor was put in office in 20, uh, he was voted in in 2018 to take office in 2019, suddenly the laws were changed controlling who was in charge of maintenance of the jail and who was in charge of making sure that people were safe inside the jail. When I toured the jail in 2019, when I was running for Whatcom County Sheriff, the filth that you see in there today was not there in 2019. The cracks that they refer to, the, the damage to all the problems that they have filmed this year, trying to compel people to think that it's the taxpayer's problem that the jail is in disrepair. No, that's a jail management and operations problem. And ironically, it was in 2019 that the county sheriff got total 100% unilateral control of operating and maintaining that jail. And it is between 2019 and 2020, and now in 22, in 2022, that the task forces that are all under the command and control of the sheriff, by the way, when you really look at, at, at real law and justice authority, and because the sheriff, under emergency conditions, this place runs like a military event because we go under threat. So as a military command and control rank and file system, anybody who works underneath the, the domain of the sheriff basically reports to him. So all of these task force projects, all these emergency service things, they all went under the command and control of the executive branch of Whatcom County. The state of Washington issued over 29 different emergency proclamations. And what that does is that moves massive amounts of money from federal government coffers and state coffers into local Whatcom County. And in the past two years, I've watched how Whatcom County has used that money and used the, used the pressure put on the citizens to pass taxes. For example, as soon as this county event happened, 
And I'm going to call it a county event. People try to push it all off on the city. The city was not the culpable party. I mean, they were partially culpable. They were responsible because the event happened on the city council, on the city center. But that's also the county center and the county taxpayers. Us taxpayers pay for all of it. We can't avoid the fact that we pay the bills just because the county and the city jurisdictions and these corporations are fighting with each other over who gets the money doesn't matter. Us taxpayers pay for it. The working class pays for it. So when that money came out, when that assault happened here, I'm going to call it, it was a police assault on the trust of the humans that are paying the bills in Whatcom County. When those four law enforcement agencies showed up a day early to chase people out of the civic center, they created a violence to the heart of, of our trust. We trust our law enforcement officers. We give them our money. We give them our fealty. We give them our trust. We even give them control over our children to take care of us and to take care of the wounded and to take care of the broken and to take care of the hurt. We give them our money and under emergency conditions, they're supposed to take care of the wounded. And in fact, instead of that, we had civic refugees. And guess what? Within two, within, a, I, I can't remember, it was a, it was a short time after that happened that the city of Bellingham passed a, a 0.01% sales tax to help with the homeless and the county passed a 0.01% sales tax to also help. So guess what? All of a sudden, within a couple weeks of this event on January 28th, the Whatcom County Council and the city council passed, the Bellingham City Council passed sales taxes that were equivalent to what would have been uh, passed in 2017 that the public rejected. So we had unilateral decisions made that increased our taxes and that tax money went to be used to bolster the bureaucratic systems. It did not go directly to help the homeless themselves, the people who were in the streets. And that's a mistake. And the county and the cities have in the last couple of years just received I don't know, a couple hundred million dollars now to be able, uh, their COVID relief funds. But has that money come to the people of Whatcom County or has it gone to corporations that are now getting contracts to build great big concrete buildings and big structures? The people are not better off right now. So I want to, I want to finish the statement and then I'll get off my high horse here. But I'm, I'm annoyed because the citizens of Whatcom County are the ones, the people who live here, the inhabitants who live here, are the ones that were most traumatized by this entire pandemic, by all the police violence that was happening post the constitutional crisis in Washington, D.C., by all the violence at the, at the national and federal levels with de Democratic and Republican war games, all of that stuff... Mm -hmm. All that slop pushes downhill and it's our local people, it's our local business people, it's our local farmers, it's our local, you know, hardworking citizens. It's all the normal taxpayers who don't understand government. They don't understand these laws and rules and jurisdictions. They don't understand the way that the county executive branch controls the economy of Whatcom County. They don't understand any of it and they get manipulated by the spin doctors who control the press in Whatcom County, who control the contracts, they control the press, they control the money, they control the press releases, they control the analysis, 
they give all the facts and all the data that they want. And it was all underneath a silencing code because in 2020, when we went under the COVID crisis and the emergency proclamations came out, the county executive and the major law enforcement officials, basically everything was shut down. We didn't have public hearings. We didn't have comment periods. We didn't have anything. We had bullying of the people and bullying of the county ex the county councils and the, the, the lower level elected officials and the staff. But at the top level, the CEO level of our government, those guys controlled the economy for the last three years. And the public is now being asked to put up another 120 million or whatever to build a jail that we rejected in the first place. We have a problem. And the Stakeholders Advisory Committee, when I saw it coming down the road in 2020, I, I resigned from the, from the task force because what they did is they, they invoked the task force in 2020 and then they withdrew their power and they shut them down and said, no more talking in 2020. And because what, if you- Joy, what, yeah. does, what does SAC stand for? It's not a task force. It is a task force. Stakeholders Advisory Committee right. that was assigned the responsibility to come up with this us uh, alleged needs assessment that actually became a jail capacity document again and again. again and they were asked they were tasked by county executive degree basically approved by the Whatcom County Council to write up a jail building plan and then they are to give it up to the Incarceration Prevention Reduction Task Force and the Technical Advisory Committee, which is controlled by the sheriff. And no one has the authority except the TAC, the Technical, Tactical or Technical Advisory Committee to the sheriff. They're the ones who can decide whether anything is listened to. These are just recommending bodies. They're not even, they don't even have authority. And so they've been compelled under one year of a fast track, basically a railroad method to take all the old paperwork that was done by prior task forces, add it up and then come up with a, a story which does not, in fact, listen to any of the people who are affected by the jail, like the, the homeless, the restorative community coalition, the people who are dealing with all the poverty and the and the trauma in the streets, they say that they asked for those people's input, but they did it in a preconditioned report and a survey that was co controlled online. Well, I'm going to come to that in a few minutes. We need to take a break. And then I'll come back and I'll talk about what we've learned because in the past year and a half, the past two years, We've done a lot of investigation into what actually happens to people when they're put in a civic collision like this between jurisdictions that are fighting over money and the civic war and what actually happens to the human beings because the trauma is substantial and it, it goes directly into the suicides in the streets, goes directly into the uh, impact on fentanyl and drugs and addiction and trauma and mental illness and goes right into the increase in street crime and petty crime and, and the violence that we're witnessing in the streets. I see a direct correlation, and that's what we'll be back to talk about. Let's take a break. Are you a member of Patreon.com and enjoying our podcasts? As a patron, you can support the production of the I Change Justice podcast series. You can also support the Restorative Community Coalition, 
get our news, updates, and access to our digital training programs downloaded directly to your email address on a regular basis. So welcome back. We're here talking with Irene Morgan and myself, uh, Joy Gilfell, and I'm president of the Restorative Community Coalition. And we're on a bit of a rant because the county is proposing to use a task force to ratify their campaign to pass a, another jail tax this year to ratify the building of a jail that the public said no to twice, last time by 58%. And in the face of the fact that they promised the community that they would do social services first before they ever talked about building another jail, and they betrayed that trust in 2020. They then again betrayed it, in my opinion, in 2021 with this January 28th event. And it's my considered opinion after studying this for a while that the side effect, which is the bullying in the streets, the uh, the pushing out of the homeless, the taking of their private possessions is all part of a civic violence pattern that is in fact creating more and more violence across our community and it needs to stop at the source which is where the violence starts which is at the ceo level the top level of law enforcement and this is true in whatcom county it's true in my opinion across the nation so let's talk about that irene what is it that you saw in the last couple years that is different than my my financial analysis. What what did you see with jail services and how did it get affected this last two years? Well, I've been t going to court with several of, of our clients and um, what I see is uh, the, our clients are not, <clears throat> and, and I, I would say most people going through the system are not being served. They're, they're there to be, punished and I believe exploited and and uh, I'm not saying there aren't bad folks out there but most of the people I see are traumatized people and they wouldn't be there if they were without trauma without and and the system is one of the most effective traumatizers there is because the barriers are so huge and just simple simple things people can't do because there's no bandwidth. They're, they're so anxious and um, nothing has worked lately. So they don't, ex they expect there to be failures. So there are, it's just amazing to watch some of these folks and, and I'll suggest something to them. And, and they're sometimes just a blank stare and it's, well, that, you know, that won't work. Well, yeah, let's try it. And it does. And they're surprised. Um, but the, um, so I've seen, it's almost like it's an uptick of um, of how people just they're they're just recycle through the system over and over, over and over. And um, the other thing I'd like to talk about is um, a friend that has been with us for a while called me the other day and. And she says, I mean, she says they're they're asking some questions and she's I'd like to get your input on it. She says, what kind of services would you like to have the new jail have? And I says, what, what do you mean? What what kind of services? She says, well, she, what kind of programs would you like to see the new jail have? And I says, well, I, w I want them to be humane and I want them to. But I says, um, 
are are you talking about uh treatment programs yeah yeah what kind and i says they shouldn't be inside the jail we've said that from the very beginning and there are studies that show that the community can do that sort of work far better than after someone has been arrested convicted and now jailed they don't need it then they need it they need it before let's let's treat people with compassion and help them not go into the to the bowels of the jail in the first place. That's where I've always come from. So it's interesting, Irene, I just realized that we're pretty much out of time here, but I want to wrap that up with the with the story that with Whatcom County as a jurisdiction is in charge of county government. It's a corporation. We tend to think that Whatcom County, the corporation, has the long-term care vision and and hope of our entire county, all of us community, we think that they're in charge of that. They're not. They're in charge of building the jail. They're in charge of running the jail. That is a business center for the Whatcom County Corporation. And we have a misnomer, and that's why I've, it's taken us a long time, Irene, to understand that when we're talking about prevention, Prevention happens before the corporation owns the asset of the human body yep. when it gets arrested. Yep. And that is a whole different story. So all of our prevention conversation, all of our civic trauma conversation, all of our healing of the people conversation is going to have to be done through a Restore Life Center controlled by the people, for the people, with the people who have lived experience working with this stuff in charge. And I think that's what your vision's all about, Irene. Absolutely. So, it always has been. And um, to, to do it any other way does not make common sense. The only way it makes sense is when you see how the money flows and see that it is a corporation and the people going through it are being chewed up like meat. And in 2023, yeah. And in 2023, one of the things we intend to do is to have a community conversation. We yep. want to assess, have the people assess, what is the price that we all have paid for the COVID crisis? What is the price that we all have paid since the county executive branch controlled the economy? What's the price that we've paid in our business communities, with our farmers, in our grain halls, with our um, civilians who work and have been helping people to deal with the homelessness crisis, we've had over 1,500 people working on the side in extreme conditions to try to help people because they're humane. Humans are amazing and we've learned that. That's the one thing that we've learned in this last few years is the human beings alone and themselves when they're not under the command of an authority who can get mad at them if they don't mind. The humans are amazing and we're banking on that in 2023 and we're going to do a a public community safety first type of SWOT analysis and come up with solutions. So we invite you all to participate. Irene, do you have the last word? I'd love to invite people to go to our website and, and hopefully we'll have our list of needs up there soon. If it's not already, I'm not in charge of that, but um, just come see how you can help. If, if you, if you really have a spot in your heart, and you know this feels better than what we've been doing. Come join us. We we'd love to have you. And you know we do have fun too. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, 
Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff going on out here. Humans are amazing. The public is amazing. This county is amazing. And we're we're up for doing a regenerative movement. Yep. And that's Absolutely. what we're going to be talking about. This yep. is, I hope, one of the last times I have to talk about the challenges that we face. So thank you so much, Irene, for coming aboard. And thank you for founding the coalition in 2006. Oh, thank you a lot. And thank you all for all of you who come to listen. We appreciate Bye. it. Bye. Thank you all for listening. Please share our podcast with your friends and family. Subscribe at Spotify, iTunes, or from your favorite playlists. At therestorativecommunity.org, you're invited to subscribe to our newsletter, connect through social media, or send us feedback on our shows. If you're inclined to help, you can volunteer, donate, learn more, and connect at info at therestorativecommunity.org. Contributing helps us empower those silenced by oppression so they can emerge into their higher potential. Thank you.